It is Tuesday, September 21st. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who's tasting batches and still wearing that same old hat, J.P. Shadrick. Welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon, recapping the Jaguars' loss to the Denver Broncos for one final time. Then we're going to put the thing to bed and move on to week three. That's how it works in the NFL. It's on to the next 24-hour rule until today. And we'll, we'll, you know, after this. So maybe 36 hours. I was told there would be no math this week just after last say week's debacle. 48. Just say okay. 48. Two-day rule. Here's what's coming up on the show today and a busy program. That was Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman. We'll take our final look at 23-13, the loss to the Broncos. The Arizona Cardinals are red hot offensively coming in. They escaped by the skin of their teeth this past Sunday on a missed field goal by the Vikings, but they're 2-0. and And right there in the that really, really good NFC West division. And they've got a great quarterback and receivers. they got a lot of things. Uh, we'll, we'll go through them. Urban Meyer coming up on the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network at 5 o'clock. We'll look forward to hearing from the Jaguars head coach, J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. And here we go. Another losing result, Logs. There were uh, pieces of this game, though, and very few, but some pieces of this game felt better. The uh, the operation from the sideline to the field, the getting the play in, the right number of players in the huddle, those important pre-snap <laughs> things. Like yeah, because the first there, first right? week it uh, it was rough. Yeah, I mean, really rough, and really not any excuse for that type of organization in a in a game. And uh, I mean, occasionally you might have an issue, but. It was good to see that they did not have any of those issues. And so offensively and defensively, it's not like you were starting behind the chains because of your own personal mistakes. At least you were able to compete on even ground. The problem is is that turnovers and giveaways continue to be an issue for a football team that's playing a young quarterback. And I think what they do going forward, J.P., to remedy that, I think is going to be very interesting because I think they've got to, they've got to take a good, long look at some of the things that they're doing as far as having balance so that it's going to give them the the greatest chance at success is having balance for two reasons. Mm. One. Two. One. Okay. Number one, you got a damn good running back in James Robinson. Yeah. Okay. Really good football player. He was your best football player last year, and he's arguably your best football player right now. Okay. That's number Uh, one. Number two, the more that James Robinson is toting the rock, the less pressure falls on a young quarterback that is clearly in the learning phase of a young career. So what's wrong with that? Okay. And it'll be interesting. We're going to ask Urban, okay, how do you achieve more balance? Because, I mean, that's, I think, is a very important question. How do you do that as a team? Because going back to the early part of when he was hired, he talked about, having a good rushing attack and, and having balance. And right now, the score you can't use as an excuse in this past game because the score was, was relatively close. But you still didn't have a lot of balance. Got to get that balance on offense. We'll get to the defense coming up as well. And we heard from head coach Urban Meyer, of course, after the game. He always speaks to us on Jaguars postgame radio. The first word with the head coach and then with the media uh, right after that, following uh, whatever the result is. He also catches up with the media on Monday, and 
He said this team, this team is still fighting. There's a lot of fight in this team. This team's gonna. There's 15 games left, and my goal, our goal, is to have the strongest locker room that you can possibly have. I feel like it's extremely strong right now. Uh, players are pissed. Players uh, want to win. Players are sticking it together, and that's gonna. That's the best part of our team. Uh, the best part of our organization right now is what's in that locker room. That's Urban after the game on uh, Sunday, uh, speaking with the media. Yeah, so the locker room, it's all about the players getting those guys to still believe and, and, and prove as the weeks go along here. They may not become a playoff team next week, but if you improve some of the things that you're trying to build upon, then you can you can have something in a few weeks. Well, w one thing is for certain, I, I understand where he, what he's trying to accomplish there because if you're – trying to fight back from losing and if the locker room is not together and it's fractured you have no chance of getting better and so what he's trying to do is to maintain a belief that hey look we're continuing to work we're continuing to get better and give them the belief that we will be better so that they can continue to improve and that's not easy to do once you get in the regular season of the National Football League typically the best way to do that is in the offseason by getting better better players but it's hard. I mean, you you have so many different limitations once you get in the regular season from a time standpoint to where most of the time is spent prepping for the game and installing a game plan and not so much working on basic technique and fundamentals. And so that's why it's very difficult for teams to make significant change during the season. Now, experience is a definitely a huge part of improvement, and that will help, especially with a young quarterback, no doubt, J.P. Let's hear from the quarterback who threw a couple of picks in that game last week. Had an early touchdown on a beautiful opening drive. They converted three third downs on that drive. Had another with penalty to, to move them forward. They got in the end zone, but later in the game, those turnovers, Trevor Lawrence says it's a work in progress. Two turnovers. Got to get better at that. Uh, Sertain made a great catch on the go ball, so that's one of those. It's like, you know, he made a great play. It, it happens, but... The other one was a bad decision by me, but just continually putting these drives together to stay in the game because you could see we're that close today and just kind of got out of the game towards the end and they ran with it. But I think we're close and obviously it's not what anybody wants to see and it's frustrating and disappointing, but um, we're going to stick together and I really feel like we're, we're close. You know, we got good enough players to win these games, so we should I keep going to work. We need Trevor to come give us a pep talk here in, in the show before <laughs> we go on the air every week. He's I mean, got a great attitude. He does. Yeah, he's got a great attitude. And, and you go back and you look at the interceptions, and you never want to see them. But young quarterbacks are going to have interceptions. I mean, Peyton Manning had, I think it was like 26, 7, or 8 interceptions his rookie year in which he only won three games. I mean, that's just that happens. It's part of the learning process. But I think one of the things that he will be taught is that okay, let's go back and let's look at the interceptions. How do we correct it? How do we make sure that we don't do this again? The first interception was right after a James Robinson strong run. I believe it was a uh, seven-yard run, so you're essentially you've got a second-and-three situation. Second-and-three is kind of like a free down, so you don't put anything in the air that's going to be risky on a second-and-three. If, if you got a check down, take the check down. If you have to eat the football or throw it away, then, then do so. And on that particular play, he was late on mm -hmm. the decision-making, getting the ball to Farrell, his tight end, and allowed Kareem Jackson the time to get over the top and to make the interception, and he's a veteran player. 
And he wouldn't have gotten there if the decision was made quickly to throw the ball or if the decision was made to throw to a check down to, to James Robinson. The second interception, you've got a first and 15. You had a, a penalty that set you back to the first and 15, and it's, but it's first down. You know, so do you want to press the ball at first and 15? No. I mean, sometimes you've got an underneath route, which he had on that particular play that could have been a, a moderate completion. Now, if it's really open, then maybe, right? Oh, absolutely, if it's really open, but it really wasn't open. Yeah, if you're rolling the dice, you know, then you know, maybe not. And I think I get the impression, JP, that sometimes Trevor Lawrence is trying to score 14 points with one throw. You understand what I mean by yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, just trying to do a little much. Trying to do a little too much, and then that's typical of young quarterbacks. That's part of the learning process that has to happen with young quarterbacks that they need to understand that the only way that they can score a lot of points is to hit the open guys and let some of those guys do something with the ball. But I appreciate, I mean, look, he, I, I appreciate eyes down the field and he's looking down the field. And then he missed some things down the field too. That D.J. Chark on a post route down the middle mm-hmm. that uh, D.J. had probably two or three steps on the defensive back and he misses them. I think and he had Farrell at one point open and, and didn't throw to him either. Well, he had he had him yeah. open at one time, and then yeah. Sir, uh, Sertan had the interception. Yeah. You know, he called yeah. him Sertan. He, he's learning still on that, too. But one of the things that I would have, I think, in that situation, because who was his intended target on the Sertan interception? Do you remember? I do not. I think it was Tyron, Tyron Johnson. Oh, yeah, it was Johnson. Okay. Yeah, that's right. If I've got a decision, this is just me, if I've got a decision – that, okay, I've got one-on-one because that's a 50-50 ball type of situation, right? And the coverage yeah. was tight. Okay. Coverage was pretty tight. Sertan was on him. So it's not like there was there was two or three steps and Trevor sees that separation and throws it. They're kind of hip-to-hip. He, yeah, he's kind of hip-to-hip, and he decides to make that throw. Mm-hmm. If I've got the great Jimmy Smith, okay, one of the Jaguars' all-time great wide receivers, I'll make that throw, Okay. If I've got Tyron Johnson, I mean, no offense to Tyron Johnson, but the guy wasn't even on the football team when, when training camp started. Mm-hmm. And I think this is part of the, 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 the learning process. Because, you know, maybe on the other side, if you got D.J. Chark mm-hmm. and it's single high safety, okay, let me think. Tyron Johnson, D.J. Chark. Tyron Johnson, D.J. Chark. Well, there's a little more – um, history, I guess, with Chark than there is with Johnson. Well, you know uh, more of his ability. You yes. have you have Trusted. to learn that there are some that you can trust, mm-hmm. and that there are some that you can't, or that you're not ready to yet. Okay, and so in that situation, because both of the vertical routes were essentially hip to hip covered, throw it underneath. You know, it's first and fifteen. You know, you get a, a six yard gain. Look, it's second and nine is okay. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you can't be greedy, and I think, in some cases, I think he's getting a little bit greedy. But that, again, that's part of the learning process for a young quarterback. And a lot of people maybe have the expectation that well, he's a first overall pick of the draft, he's not going to go through it. No, he's still got to go through it. It's just that's part of the growth, the growth curve. It's got to happen. Let's discuss a little defense now. The Jags, because of some of the offensive issues, were on the field defensively for nearly 39 minutes in the game. Shaq Griffin after the game on the play calling on the defensive side, and how they tried to hang in there. Coach Cullen did an amazing job making sure the call was perfect. I feel like his play call was amazing this game. 
you know, I made sure I, tell, I told him that right after the game. You know, that was perfect. Every situation was great, and let's build off of it. Let's continue to build off that, continue to get this defense together. You know, um, we just got to start getting the turnovers, uh, continue to help the offense out. Got to get the ball. Uh, Josh Allen talked about that earlier in the season. I, I just got to figure out a way to, to get the football. Allen had a sack, nearly swatted the ball away from Teddy Bridgewater, slinging him around a couple times. It, that didn't, it didn't come out. And then Shaq Griffin again had uh, the ball in his hands a couple of different times. It would have been an acrobatic interception. It would have been a circus catch. But, I mean, the ball, you know, it's close. It's as close as they got, I guess, on Sunday, and they still haven't reeled one in yet. And that's, that's an issue. You know, if you look at uh, the success or lack of success of this franchise, especially now on a 17-game losing streak, you look at plus-minus differential, and you can't win unless you start to change that stat. I mean, it, literally, your chances of winning, and and we've talked about this before, and I don't know the exact numbers, but they're, they're if, not great. If, if you well, no, I'm, I'm talking losing. about the numbers of turnover differential. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, if you're even, okay, it's fifty-fifty. If you get one takeaway, your percentage probably jumps, you know, 16 17%, somewhere in that range. If you get two takeaways or you know, you're plus two, then your probability of win is probably in the 70% range. If you go to plus three, it's probably in the 90% range. I mean, it's it, that, that's how it works. I mean, the, the better you are in turnover differential, and that's the single most determining factor in all of football, if you look at that stat, that will tell you better than any other stat whether you're winning or losing is the turnover differential. And since you're not getting any takeaways as a defense and you have a young quarterback that's learning and figuring things out and he's been turning the ball over, that's why you're not winning right now. And in order to change winning and losing, you need to change that number. Let's come back in a moment. Plenty of show ahead here on Jaguars Happy Hour. We'll uh, get a little deeper into the Jaguars' offensive issues from last week and go through some of the wide receivers so far and see if they can get some balance with a running game also. And uh, coming up a little later, we'll look at the AFC South as well and see what the rest of the teams in the division did in week number two. Season tickets, single game tickets, and group tickets are still available. Be a part of the new era of Jaguars football and own it. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jacksonville Sports Talk for Jacksonville sports fans. 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back. Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Glad you're along with us. The Urban Meyer Show coming up at 5 o'clock. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach and get his final thoughts on the loss to the Broncos, what they're working on this week, and get ready for Arizona coming to town in week number three. Coming to Daly's Place tonight, it is the legend, Carlos Santana and his band. Tomorrow, 3-11, Counting Crows Thursday, Coheed and Cambria Friday, tickets at dailiesplace.com. Busy week this week. October schedule's nuts as well. I'm going to guess. Maybe we'll ask Urban this. I, I bet Urban's a Santana fan. Oh, you would think so. I mean, Santana's one of the greatest of all time. I mean, he played Woodstock. That's Yeah. I mean, the How old is he now? He's got to be, what, mid-70s, right? That's a great question. Uh, you know, that's, uh, I mean, he's that's been rocking the, for a long what time. What the internet is for. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um 
I, I, I've seen him once, and he's fantastic. That was in a festival setting, and um, this apparently is just him and his band, so they might go for a while tonight. He's 74 years old. Wow. Still getting after it. That's pretty cool, though, right? Isn't 74 it? and rocking. And you never know who might come on stage with him tonight, so check it out. Hmm. Uh, Dailiesplace.com for tickets. Let's get back to the Jaguars. Not you, right? You're not going on stage. I am not me. going okay. to be on cool. stage tonight. Um, I'll be at the show, most likely. Jaguars offense. 83 yards on the opening drive, smooth as can be. Mm-hmm. But then things got rocky in a hurry. The next three drives combined for seven yards. That's correct. They had a 40-yard drive at one point but missed a field goal right before half. They had 106 yards the rest of the day after drive number one. What in the world happened? Well, yeah, you had a lot of different things happen. I think that uh, – you had a quarterback that wasn't quite as crisp as the first drive from that point on. I thought he was trying to be a little bit too aggressive down the field instead of sometimes taking what the defense will give you, which sometimes is underneath. Sometimes he missed things that were open down the field. Uh, he missed D.J. Chark, which might have been a touchdown pass going down to the deep middle, and D.J. probably had two or three steps on the defensive back, and so – then you had a uh, protection issues a couple times that stalled drives. But for the most part, I think the offensive line against a very good Denver Broncos defensive front did very well, I thought. I thought it was good enough to win. And then defensively, you weren't able to take the ball away. So when you're not very efficient at the quarterback position throughout the course of the game, and then you turn the ball over, and then you don't get takeaways as a defense, and you allow some big explosive plays by Cortland Sutton Mm. and an easy touchdown by the tight end Noah Fant, Mm -hmm. and you allow Teddy Bridgewater to create more time in the pocket to get the completions and the efficiency. It's hard to win that way. It's a long list. I I thought that... The Jaguars' defense, for the most part, did okay against the run. And that's what I would say going back to the previous week in Houston. They did okay. They're okay. Yeah. But the issue is is that for this defense, because they're not generating a great pass rush, because if they were, they would have a takeaway by now, that doing okay is not good enough. You have to be really good against the run, I think, if your defense to give yourself the best chance that you need to have to be able to get after the passer, JP. I mean, it can't be did okay. This defense, if they want to be where they want to be in a, in a stop-the-pass standpoint, you have to be outstanding against the run. And right now, I don't think they've been outstanding yet. I mean, you look at what the young running back from the Denver Broncos, Javonta Williams, did. Yep. I mean, he was – he was really good. There was that one run where he broke like three tackles. He's kind of keeping his balance, and then he and I mean, then the more the game yards. wore on, the better he looked. That's right. I mean, and so those guys—that's how it works for those. You want to have that happen the opposite way as the game is wearing on. Your defense is getting better, and you're shutting them out and making it making it hard for Teddy Bridgewater with third and seven plus. And yeah. I, I don't think they they accomplished that. Uh, going to the secondary now when the ball is in the air. You know, there was that one long play at the start of the third quarter, but C.J. Henderson was out of the game at that point with the hip issue. Chris Claybrooks was in uh, on that play, and Sutton just kind of ran right past him, it felt like. Well, C.J. Henderson was on the field on uh, on the one um, 
crossing route where he it, they gives up the touchdown. That's it was right. man coverage. There was that also. I mean, so there's and it was a, a, a poor job of trying to get across the field to cover it. I mean, look, there's traffic all the time when you have man coverage. Find a way to fight through it, and and it was almost like he was hesitant to kind of fight through that traffic and. You can't be hesitant. You got to get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you get knocked on your fanny trying to get there, get knocked on your fanny, but don't just kind of say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Oh, yeah, I can't get through that. No. See if you can. How about the rest of the secondary this past week? I, I thought okay. I, I think Rayshon Jenkins has been a nice addition so yeah, far. Yeah, he's he's done a good job. But he, you know, week one he missed an opportunity there yeah. trying to break up some deep balls, and uh, I thought he was okay this week. I thought that Andrew Wingard played a solid game. Everybody's been on Wingard, or not everybody. A lot of fans have been on Wingard. Um, well, he didn't play well the first game, but he but, was better this. But week. I, yeah, I thought he played pretty well. He had a sack. He was uh, active. He didn't miss any tackles where he did the previous week. So um, yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was okay. I thought he was okay. Everybody's kind of well, everybody. I keep saying everybody. So, some folks feel that uh, Andre Cisco could see a little more time as the year progresses here. Um, okay, what, me, who do you take off the field? Me, Wingard? yeah. Okay. What if Wingard continues to get better? Then great. But here's the thing. Andrew Wingard didn't have 14 or 15 interceptions in 23 career games in college. Right. Whatever that number was. In fact, let me look at it. Yeah, it's a lot. 13 interceptions in 24 games at Syracuse. Yes. I mean. Ball skills, man. Yeah, no doubt. Can Wingard do that? We haven't seen it yet. Well, I mean, look, I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, be joking here. I'm just saying is that look, when you have a guy that has the ability to take the ball away like that, and you're a defense right now that has goose egg, zero takeaways, mm-hmm. you might want to get the guys on the field that can change that number, right? Well, I mean, so yeah, there's a guy, and and here's the one thing I do understand. Cisco is still on his way back from an ACL injury that he suffered at Syracuse. So is there a schedule and a, a, a plan that they have in place to allow him to get back to being full speed? I'm sure there is. I mean, uh, most trainers, doctors always have a plan. But or is it that or is it, okay, we need to have him earn it and he hasn't shown us yet that he's earning the more reps when he starts playing and he starts earning more reps, and we'll give him more reps. I mean, maybe it's some of that too. I don't know. But I know this. He's got ball skills. I mean, I, I watch his college film. I watch his preseason performances. This guy can play some football. Hmm. And when he gets his, if he's anywhere around the ball, it's his. Well, that would sound pretty nice for this defense right about now. It's what you need. You know? Yeah, you know, and the other thing yeah. is too. Shaq Shaq Griffin had his hands on the ball. He had week one. He had an early one, and then he had another one this week that was would have been an acrobatic catch, but still. it would have been a, would have been a crazy catch. But look, I mean, sometimes that's you know you, you got to make them. I mean, make a crazy catch because there's going to be some easy ones that you drop. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how it works. You know, so you got to start making some some more splash plays as a defense. Whether that's you know pressuring a quarterback, sacking a quarterback, and, and a good job. Look, you got three sacks this past game, 
and I like the production of Gotsis. I think if there's a question, do you have Taven Bryant or Adam Gotsis active on game day? I'm I'm choosing Adam Gotsis from now on. You know, the previous week they chose to have him inactive, and Taven Bryan was active. Adam Gotsis, I think, gives you more productivity. I think that's very obvious. And so, uh, if you're trying to put the best football team out there, you put them put them out there. Well, there was the one fourth down play that comes to my mind. Speaking of Taven Bryan, where he ended up on his backside. Yeah, he fourth was, and two. He got right? knocked. Those fourth and one, fourth and one, one and short. a half. What yeah. is fourth and shorty? Yeah. And it was a quarterback sneak and. Yep. And uh, Bobby Massey ended up taking him back and essentially putting him on his back at five yards deep. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's only one play out of the game. And look, everybody's had and will have their rear end kicked in the National Football League. One that play just that happens. One, yeah, sure. But the the plays that I'm referring to, and and that that Gotsis just has more awareness. He has more awareness for where the ball is and where he needs to go. So he has a better nose for the football. And when you have a better nose for football, it's about making plays and then play them. He got a sack last week, too. Uh, plenty ahead. We'll come back in a moment and look ahead, Logs. The Arizona Cardinals are coming to town in week three. One of the hottest offenses in football. And, it, and, and they have arguably one of the most entertaining offenses in the National Football League. Let's hope not this week. I hope not. We'll break it all down when we come back. Check out the official Jaguars podcast network, a free subscription on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. Give us that five-star rating as always. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Yeah, I think I'm processing it as good as you can. Obviously, you want, you want to win. and Like I said, you work all week to win, and when you don't, it's disappointing. But... I feel like I'm in a, I'm in a good spot. I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same person. Same mindset. Nothing's changed. So, making sure I keep my confidence every week is, is big, and I, I think I have that. So, um, we're gonna get better. We're close. You know, it's obviously last week and this week doesn't look great when you look at the, the numbers, but I really feel like we're close, and we just gotta make some more plays and stick together. There's the quarterback Trevor Lawrence after the game Sunday, and welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. JP Shadrick with Jeff Logman, Joe Fortunato on the audio, Brent Reaver on the video side on Jaguars.com. The Urban Meyer Show coming up at five o'clock. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach as we always do on Tuesdays. Get his final thoughts on the previous week's game, and then an early look at week number three. And our early look at week number three begins now. And you don't need to look much further than Kyler Murray, the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. He is among the league leaders in a few passing categories early this season. He's a dynamic playmaker, gets out of the pocket. He's a former baseball player who's a first-round pick as an outfielder for the Oakland A's. He's just got a different style about him when he runs around and then can throw the ball down the field at different arm angles and twisting and turning and fading away, and it always seems to be – you know, like 50 yards down the field and on the money somehow. Sometimes. How does that work? Well, not all the time. I mean, he will throw some interceptions now. So, this week, if there was any week to break the lack of takeaways as a defense, this is the week because he will throw you one, and you've got to make sure that you catch it. And he might throw you two. <laughs> if oh. he does, you well, got to. If he's going to throw two, catch why not two? three or four? Come on, Kyler. Well, it could be, it could be. It just depends on how well your <laughs> offense performs and what the score differential is, and where it's 
what side of the fence that it's lying on. Because if you put the Arizona Cardinals in a situation where they've got to play a little bit of catch-up, then that would be better for your defense. But the one thing about Kyler Murray is it's like it's like a video game. It really I mean, is. He, he, he's all over the map, but he's, he's running around, and, and then all of a sudden he'll stop and throw it down the field. He scores with his legs. Mm-hmm. He's a – Counted for nine touchdowns as a quarterback so far, which probably is one of the best in the league, if not the best. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I seriously, when I when I say this, you might want to put as much speed as you have on the field when he's out there, because he will extend plays. And the more speed you have, the less likely, possibly, that you uh, are going to give him more time. Do you have a spy, for lack of a better term? Do you have somebody that just follows him around on defense? You can. I've seen that done before. I mean, if you have somebody that is exceptional at extending the play, and I've seen it done before to where a team might rush three Mm -hmm. instead of four, and then the fourth guy is not in coverage, but he basically just stays right there at the line of scrimmage, and it could be your fastest defensive end, rusher, whatever. Yeah, It could be your fastest linebacker. Mm-hmm. For example, if you put Telvin Smith okay. out there or Miles Jack. I mean, thinking about fast linebackers right. in Jaguars history, yeah. those are probably two of the fastest. Like those type of guys, you would say, okay, you stay here. And then once he decides to go left, right, or up the middle, go get him. you're on him. And uh, I, when I was in New York, one time, I remember we had we had a defensive back in that role. Didn't work very well, <laughs> but we tried it. Okay, that was one well. of one of Pete Carroll's uh, early trial and error type of defenses that he had. <laughs> the, the error more than yeah, the, it yeah. definitely didn't work. Huh? So of course, when you have a quarterback like that, it helps when you have some weapons down the field. And they have some, certainly in Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins is there, former Texans wide receiver, and uh, we, we know all well what kind of player he is. Though, in his career against the Jaguars, he's played in 14 games, only six touchdowns. But, uh, you know, that was over, you know, the, the, the time with the Houston Texans. Two 100-yard games in that time. But if you let off him at all, even if you cover him with a, a guy or double cover him, we've seen him – make some incredible catches certainly in his time in Arizona so far. He is uh he's got great hands. Great hands, does a great job with contested catches. He's not a burner anymore. I think he's a he's a, essentially a, a a possession receiver and he probably won't agree to that and he <laughs> makes bigger plays than most possession receivers as far as the multitude of them but the speed is not a factor with him anymore. He's not going to run by anybody. I feel like this is probably going to be on his bulletin board in his locker this week. Jeff Lagerman says yeah. DeAndre Hopkins Like he cares what I say. Huh? You think he cares what <laughs> I say? He doesn't, he doesn't care what I say. But, I mean, that's what he's become. I mean, look at his career is. stats. I mean, as, as receivers age, that's kind of what happens sometimes. Yeah, sure. It hasn't happened with A.J. Green. Yeah, well, AJ Green is still he's like year eleven, right? And he's on the team too in Arizona, yeah. by the Julio way. Julio Jones, what is he in like year twenty? Yeah, I guess you're right. There he goes. I mean, look, some guys still got it, and that's just not DeAndre Hopkins' game. But I can tell you this: for a quarterback that runs around a lot and creates uh, what we call scramble rules plays or broken plays, 
you might not have a better receiver than DeAndre Hopkins on the, on the planet because he's creative. He invents things. And when the quarterback throws it up to him, the quarterback trusts that he's going to catch the ball. And at the very least, he's not going to let the opponent catch the ball. October 20th, 2018, ross Age Stadium, West Lafayette, Indiana, under the lights. Purdue upset number three, Ohio State, mm-hmm. 49-20. to 20. It was Urban Meyer's 32nd and final college loss. In that game, Rondale Moore had 12 receptions, 170 yards, and two touchdowns for the Boilermakers and an upset win. The only loss of the season for the Buckeyes. They went on to win the Rose Bowl, but wait, wait, wait. not the national championship. Rondale Moore now with Arizona leading the Cardinals in targets, catches, and yards. Which uh, which is amazing. He played at Purdue? Yes. Ohio State lost to Purdue? Yes, they did. They stormed the field that night at Ross A. How do you do that? Well, that's, that's I mean, how. I Ohio State has. When guys like this put it together those kind of performances. Yeah, but Ohio State has, like, really good players. It was an upset. Uh, Dwayne Haskins in that game, by the way, side note, mm-hmm. threw the ball 73 times for the Buckeyes that night. <laughs> what? 73, and they only scored 20 points. How many times did he run it? I, I don't know, but it was, yeah, it was it was a heck of a night. Let's put it that way. Rondell Moore was a big reason why. passes. Yes. <laughs> God, I mean, it's, it's a lot. I, how does his arm not fall off? Well, I mean, I don't know. in the NFL, if you get 70 plays, you're lucky. <laughs> right. For real. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. I, I'd say the average number of plays in the National Football League is probably right around, right around 70. Maybe 65, yeah, 65, 60s, 70, sure. somewhere right in that yeah, range, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the clock's moving all the time and you're, you know, up and at it. The play clock's a little shorter. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's. But that's, anyway. That's that's crazy. But Moore is a guy who stepped in this year as a rookie, second round pick, and really been a nice addition for this Arizona offense. And he's like five foot seven, by the way. He can go play. He is what? Five seven. Five, he he is. Yes, I, he I, is. I, I made my. I haven't I haven't watched a ton of him yet. Yeah, you need to. Uh, but I will. Yeah. And here's the one thing I will say about the Cardinals: they got a lot of single-digit guys. You know, every team you know kind of jumped on that bandwagon. They want to do a bunch of single digits. And nobody seems to like the number two, except for a quarterback in New York. Why is that? I don't know. That's weird. But uh, Chase Edmonds has number two. You got Kyler Murray at one. Chase Edmonds was wearing two. Nobody likes three, I guess. Rondell Moore is four. Nobody likes five. If you were going to pick a single digit to wear, JP, and you play, and you were playing ball, yeah. Regardless of position, hmm. what number would you want to wear? That's a good one. I don't know. Eight. It's kind of. I don't know. I have no idea. Any particular reason Not why? Not really. Joe, what number would you wear? Joe number would five. wear number five. Logs, you'd be number one. No, yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of the, of the number one. Okay, that's kind of a look at me number. I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm not saying anything bad like about Connor Murray, but uh, yeah, I was going to say that's on his bulletin board now. Way to go, Logs. I know one thing is that uh, Jihad Ward wears number six. Yeah, he's he uh, kind of shook the tree last night. Well, by the way. he what? He kind of shook the tree uh, on social media last night. What did he do? Apparently he said something uh, regarding the Ravens they were on, and uh, he apologized to Jaguars fans today. Oh, okay. That. Let's put it that way. Okay. So hopefully it's water under the bridge. But uh, anyway, you, well, you brought so. his name up. I hope so. so. Okay, so now I'm going to like want to go to Twitter and, yeah, and find yeah, out what he said. But anyway, 
if you're six foot five, is that what he is? Six five, six six, something like that, and two hundred and ninety pounds. Yeah, he's big. Yeah, a single digit number just doesn't work. You know what I mean? But it's allowed though now. See, they changed the it's, rules. It's like, it's like wearing stripes, okay, and you're really wide, and you wear <laughs> horizontal stripes. Makes you look wider. Okay, so if you're a big man, stick with the double digits. It makes you look better in a jersey. When you wear a single-digit number, it kind of makes you look a little portly. And I'm not saying Jihad is a little portly. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying is that just, it makes you look not quite as svelte. I think you just did. The um, late uh, Lewis Nix third at Notre Dame wore the number one, the big nose tackle. Yeah, it didn't look good on, on him <laughs> either. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's one of those. Let's come back in a moment. We've got plenty ahead. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on the Cardinals' defense. A couple of veteran names pass rushing for the Cardinals. We'll go through the injury report presented by Baptist Health, a little AFC talk, and a discussion about a longtime Jaguars employee, an original, who is retiring, hanging it up at the end of the year. That's all coming up. And if you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150, loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. This truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jaguars game day broadcasts are presented by Star Credit Union. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. And veterans, choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Let's take a look at the injury report presented by Baptist Health, changing health care for good. A few names on it, and Urban Meyer updated some of the statuses. Statuses? Stat, stati? Stat, statuses. Gave us the status of a few players on Monday. A.J. <laughs> Kinn, the right guard. With a hamstring, Urban said he'll probably play this week. C.J. Henderson with a hip, wait and see. Trey Herndon with a knee issue. Well, he could be back on the practice field this week. That'd be good news and a boon for the secondary if he's available. James O'Shaughnessy with a high ankle sprain. It's going to be a few weeks at least for him. And LaVisca Chenault Jr. with a shoulder issue last week in the game. But Urban said he should be uh, fine for practice, and uh, we'll see how the days go. But uh, at least that's a good start for LaVisca moving ahead. There's your Baptist Health injury report. Baptist Health, changing health care for good. I, I wish that LaVisca had not had those two drops in the game. Yeah, they were big. They, they, they seemed – they, they kind of stalled a couple drives. Well, when you're, when you're losing, the mistakes obviously are magnified. Mm-hmm. And uh, – because that's what you have to do. You have to work on correcting the things that you are not doing well and drops and, and both the first and the second game have been an issue. It hasn't been a hundred of them, but it's been enough to where it's affected the rhythm and the way that the offense is playing. And you've got to try to find a way to correct that. And with the type of player that LaVisca is, and a lot of people say, well, he, he really didn't have two drops. That one would have been a tough catch to make. Well, he's a tough guy. That's the type of catch and the type of player that I think LaVisca Chenault has to be for this football team, that he is not afraid or, or, or unwilling to go across the middle and, and knows that at times when he catches the ball, he's going to get hit. And he still has to make the catch. That's the type of player that he has to be for this football team. 
Let's take a look around the AFC South and touch on all the team's activity in week number two. And let's start off with the Houston Texans. They had a lead on the Browns. Tyrod Taylor then suffered a hamstring injury. Baker Mayfield was banged up in the game but stayed in, came back in. The Browns rallied to win 31-21. It's a short week, and Davis Mills could get the start Thursday night. Which he was the Texans' top draft pick, and I believe he was a third-round pick. It's amazing, right? <laughs> Which uh, I'll just tell you that the Texans are a ways away from building that team back into a winner. But uh, they play on Thursday night football, too. So you're going to have a rookie that is thrust into the lineup on a short week because of an injury to Tyrod Taylor, which is going to miss, I think, a couple weeks with the injury that he had. So, And, man, Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. Are you kidding me? What a second half for Tennessee as they beat the Seahawks 33-30. Speaking of, you were talking about backs that get warm as the game goes along. (laughs) I mean, when Derrick Henry starts to roll and then all of a sudden he's churning up a little yardage, it just goes and goes, and then it's forget about it. He has, and I think this is a very unique trait, and it didn't happen the first week, but typically he he has this trait that he can start off slow in a game and he finishes extremely strong. And a lot of people think he and never thought that he was a burner. Watch him on game day. He runs away from people. Yes, he does. <laughs> and he's, what do you think he height weight? 6'4". Derrick Henry, I bet he was 260. 250. Would, if I had to guess, 6'4", 250. I will tell you what the official uh, height and weight they tell you it is yeah, uh, that's here in just a moment. Obviously it may not always, be the accurate yeah, uh, it's, it's one. Yeah, it can be different. Uh, actually, they don't even list it on the Titans website. Um, huh. but Interesting. 6'4", 250 is about what they've called him in the past. But That's about right. He he might be bigger than that. He's I mean, he's a, he's a big guy. Cause he stands next to offensive linemen. You're like, what? Oh, he's not that much He looks like a guys. defensive end. I think is the easy way to describe it. He looks like a defensive end in the National Football League that is, uh, or an outside linebacker in the National Football League playing a 3-4, defensive end playing a 4-3. He's a big dude. And then finally, the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz uh, hurt both ankles somehow in the game, and the Rams beat the Colts 27-24. Yeah, and that's uh, that's that's going to be an issue. And Carson Wentz has had a hard time staying healthy, and, and I hope you know, that he has success, you know, not against the Jaguars, but I hope that he is has, can find a way back to the player that he once was, which we thought he was the next great up-and-comer. Yep. Injuries have just ruined his career so yeah, and far. And then, you know, the wheels kind of fall off. And <laughs> next thing you know, he's, he's traded. And the the Eagles gave him an extension, and everybody was thinking – this guy is going to be an eagle for life. He's going to be a great quarterback for the Eagles. He's going to lead them to the to the playoffs every year. And now he's just trying to stay healthy and stay on the field for a different football team. So that's going to be an interesting watch how that works out through the end of the year. Who's the backup in Indy, by the way? I haven't, Brissette, I haven't seen. Right? Is it no. Jacoby Brissett? No. No, yeah, no, no, I think Eason. He it's Eason. It, Jacob Eason. Eason? I'm sorry. Eason, okay. Brissett backed I'm re- up for the I Miami Dolphins. I rewound two years ago. Sorry. Jacoby Brissett's <laughs> the backup for the Miami Dolphins that's, now, I think. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this, that's right. The, the merry-go-round continues. Once you're, you're kind of in the club, at least for the next uh, few years, you can kind of stick around.
There you have it, a look around the AFC South. Let's wrap the show today with some news that came out late last week about an original Jaguars employee. Dan Edwards joined the Jaguars organization in 1994 in the communications department, worked his way up, became the senior VP of communications in 2010 for the team. He is retiring at the end of the 2021 season and has spent a long time, his, almost his entire professional career in the National Football League. Started in the league office in 1983. He was an intern in New York alongside another intern named Roger Goodell. And Goodell, of course, now the <laughs> commissioner of the NFL. He spent a year with the Miami Dolphins, the year the Dolphins went to the Super Bowl. And then the year after that, ended up with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1985 through the uh, 1993 season. And then 94 came down to Jacksonville when the stadium was being built. That's uh, before the franchise 27 was years with the franchise. Pretty incredible. And uh, Dan's going to hang it up at the end of the season. And uh, I know we all... Uh, in our department here in the broadcast world, are incredibly close to Dan, and he's done uh, so many things for us personally and professionally over the years. We're going to miss having him around these hallways and, and being able to pick his brain and because um, you know, he's seen a lot of things in those 27 years here, certainly everything that has happened, but just league knowledge and, and general just good around, good, good all-around people are hard to find. And you got all that combined in one guy in Dan Edwards. Well, I've always appreciated Dan. You know, 27 years with the franchise. Uh, I think it's like 38 years in the National Football League. And 22 years, he's been my boss, and uh, which is a very long time. And couldn't have asked for a better boss. And I've always loved and appreciated his wisdom through the years. And I will still – count on and rely upon that wisdom for many years to come because uh, he's a friend and uh, and I consider Dan a great friend and he's going to be missed. And an unbelievable family man. Uh, late wife and the, the four kids and now grandkids are coming along and he's going to spend a lot of time with them and you know he's got uh, two sons that are in the NFL and PR departments right now um, and then a daughter that's at Florida in communications at the at the moment. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of future Edwards to be around. They're not going anywhere in the NFL. Yeah, you know, they always say this. This kind of goes back many years. They always say is that you know, the greatest thing you ever accomplish is your kids. And I've always said this that the kids are always a great reflection on the men and the women that raised them. And Dan and Patricia, his late wife, uh, raised an incredible family. And uh, yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be we got to find a way to keep Dan coming back, you know, a little bit to where we can see him and I don't know, maybe we need to come up with like a Saturday night beer night somewhere. I was going to say there might be a six pack involved <laughs> at some point. If we tell him, "Hey Dan, free Bud Light." <laughs> I think we might get him there. Maybe. Maybe so, but we got uh, we got a little time left with the Dan Edwards in the office every day and that's a great thing for us. We're uh, January, we're right? January when is when he is officially retiring. Yeah, right. Uh, there might be a point where he's not around, but he's still working um yeah. remotely as as they say, <laughs> but well, he'll be around, which is which He's is probably going to take advantage of a six leave that he has built up. <laughs> Over 27, 27 years, years he's probably got a little bit Accrued, right? I think there's probably some in the in the hopper for him. So uh, congratulations to Dan on a fantastic career. We've got uh, some time left with him. So the uh, Jaguars and the Denver Broncos game is done. The Jaguars get the Arizona Cardinals this week. We're about to hear from Urban Meyer coming up. The Urban Meyer Show is next, and 
I'm curious what uh, Urban thinks of the uh, effort and overall performance last week. Uh, it kind of looked better overall. We'll get his thoughts on that coming up. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is that how are you going to handle Kyler Murray? And, and, and I'm sure that, you know, it's Tuesday, and we're talking to him on Tuesdays, and I know Tuesdays are the day in which they're still t- trying to formulate game plans. Tuesday's a big game planning day, so is he going to have a, all the answers for us? No, but what he wouldn't share it with us anyway. anyway. I don't think so. <laughs> but that's going to be the big challenge this week is Kyler Murray, and, and they've got some weapons on that defense, and then – how are you going to block this pass rusher this week? Now he's he's a challenge now. There's yeah, there's two of them, Chandler Jones and JJ Watt. You know he's getting yeah, a little longer in the tooth. Look, he's been banged up I, a few I, years. It's I'm a not, new I'm environment. Not, I'm not buying it. You know, oh, look, Chan, Chandler Jones is a great player, and is still a great player. About the same age. Jones is a year. JJ Watt is not is not a, he's not a great player anymore. Okay, he's a good player. But he's not the J.J. Watt that we've watched he's for many the, years. He's uh, not the AP Defensive Player of the Year anymore. But no. But he can still have he's a, I can tell you this. The guy is going to be walking into the Hall of Fame. Sure. No Seriously. Doubt. I mean, first great pa- player. I'm not guy. trying to down him or anything, but Father Time has caught up with him a little bit. You're, just, you're throwing bulletin board material everywhere today for the Cardinals. I'm just being I'm look, JP, I mean I am not here to to blow smoke. You're telling it like it is. I'm here to tell you what I see. Spitting the truth. That's what Logs does on this show. No holds barred. Logs just lets it fly. Every now and again. We like that. We'll hear from uh, head coach Urban Meyer coming up next. This has been Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday on the Jaguars Digital Network.